Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. God has given me a message this morning, and sometimes when that happens, and those of you that minister in the pulpit and other places know that once in a while God can give you that message, that it, it seems like he, he just lays it on your heart with, with a certain tenderness and, and, and just a certain gentleness, and there's a special message. I love it when I feel anointed of the Lord and I can come in and I can preach a powerful Pentecost Sunday message or I can teach something vibrant or exciting or challenging, but sometimes there's just those precious, those precious words from the Lord that are just tender and gentle. And I have one of them this morning and I pray that I execute it the way God wants it to be. I'm gonna speak to you this morning Widows and orphans no more. Widows and orphans no more. Exodus chapter 22, I'm going to open there. You can remain seated. You've been standing a long time. and We've had a wonderful worship service. Thank you to our worship team. Beautiful, beautiful worship this morning. What a privilege we have to have a team like we do. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Scripturally speaking, there's probably almost 60 accounts of widows in Scripture. You may have noticed it, maybe in the course of your Bible reading, maybe in the course of of preaching other messages that you've heard. There's a lot of discussion of widows, both in the Old Testament and the New. I've never really thought much about it, just that they're stories and that there happen to be widows. And uh, as I, you dig deeper into the word, you see, especially in, in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, and especially Deuteronomy, there's an incredible entreatment of widows on behalf of God. He spoke through his prophets. He spoke through the men of God, the men and women of God, about the importance of his care and his love for widows. As a matter of fact, he groups together oftentimes the fatherless and the widow. Many times you will see places in scripture where it specifically makes a comment regarding the entreatment of the fatherless and the widow. Sometimes scripture will add in, it will say something about the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. You understand that stranger means the sojourner, the person who doesn't have a place or a home, someone who's not familiar to a certain place, a foreigner, so to speak. So many times in scripture we see an entreatment of widows and the fatherless. And again, God treats a lot of things in scripture. There's quite a few things that he just has in a special place. I was sharing with someone this morning the special sacred place that God holds the sacrament of marriage, for example. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And despite what the spirit of the world wants to do, the sacrament of marriage, that consecration, will never be defiled. They'll try. Civilly, they've done it, but in God's eyes, it's still that very, very special thing. And so, okay, that's wonderful, and we know that, and we understand that. But as I began to explore what God gave me, he gave me this in a word related to being widows and fatherless no more, widows and orphans no more. God, what are you trying to say? Why is this so important in your word? Widows in the time of scripture, especially in the Old Testament, were a very specific sort. Uh, it's not like being a widow today. And for those of you that have experienced that, uh, I feel so much for you to lose 
your spouse, to lose someone you've been with perhaps many, many years. I can't imagine what it is to go through that. And the Bible, again, tells us that in, in the New Testament, there are specific entreatments for how the church is to handle widows. You know, we have, we've had special widows' work days, and, and those that have, been, uh, have lost a spouse, and those that are without their spouse for other circumstances. And we've, we've taken special time to go to their homes and help fix things on their house and, and help with their gardens and take out trash or do whatever it is that we need to do. And we're going to continue to do that because the God directs us to honor our widows and take care of those. Amen. Amen. But in biblical times, it was a different story when, when a woman became betrothed to a man and took on his name and, and, and the man was the provider, the man was the sustenance, the woman, <laughs> I know this didn't match a lot with today's philosophy, but the woman uh, was at home and raised the children and made the home and made the meals and prayed over the family and, and was a support to her husband and a peace and created that peace in their home and, and the husband was the provider and so if the widow lost or if the, if the wife lost her spouse and she she became widowed, and it was a whole different ballgame. She lost everything. Sometimes even the lands would be in dispute that the husband's family would, would actually try to take ownership or would claim ownership of what her husband owned. And many times her and the children were left in destitution, in utter poverty. They were, they were cast out uh, from, from the society environment because they weren't a whole group anymore. You see, there was a new identity. Come on, preach with me now. There was a new identity to that person when they were fatherless or when they were husbandless. It was a terrible place to be, destitute, without a name, without an identity, with nothing. And so God recognized that this was a, a very important place. And very early on, the book of Exodus and then on into the law had special entreatment for the widows. Many times, he says, and I'll share some with you, do no violence to them. Uh, don't, don't attack those who look over them. Don't try to cheat them. See, what would happen is because they were unprotected, there was no man there, and, and, and they were literally vulnerable. They didn't have that husband anymore. They didn't have that identity. There wasn't someone in their lives to protect them, and they became vulnerable. And so people would take advantage of the widows and cheat them and, 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 and enslave them sometimes and, and offer them things in exchange for their belongings or for enslavement. There were terrible things that happened to widows. You know that even the Jewish leadership, the same Jewish leadership that aided in the crucifixion of Jesus, was involved in the mistreatment of widows. They stole from them. They tricked them out of what they had. And so God has a very special place in his heart for widows and the fatherless, for the orphans. In fact, they're a model for us. Exodus 22, starting at verse 22. He commands in the law, ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child Listen to what God says. If thou afflict them in any wise and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath shall wax hot and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall be widows and your children shall be fatherless. Powerful, powerful words 
from the God who just moved into this sanctuary in a mighty way and swept his spirit across this place and began to embrace the children that he loves, the women that he loves, and the men that he loves and make his presence known. Come on, you felt that presence. If you felt that warmth, if you felt that thing kind of breaking through, the tear came to your eye for just a little bit, raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Very strong. If they cry unto me that you're doing this to them, you're going to be the one who's creating a widow. Challenging. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says that cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and the widow. That word judgment in that particular passage means advocacy or care. You've ever heard the term judge advocate general? That's a military term. Uh, they call the, the short version of that is JAG. Uh, it's actually a role in government uh, for handling uh, crimes and, and legal issues within the military. The word judgment there means advocacy, care. And it, he says, cursed be he that perverteth the care or the advocacy of the stranger, the fatherless, and widow. God pr- professes a curse upon those who would hurt them. Psalms chapter 68 and verse 5 says, A father of the fatherless and a judge, again the word advocate, of the widows is God in his holy habitation. You hear what the psalmist is saying? A father of the fatherless. Some of you may be without a father. Some of you may have a father, but maybe it's not so good. Maybe father was... Not a good role for that person. Maybe he didn't handle it very well for you. But I want to tell you that there's a God that we serve that says, I want to be a father to the fatherless. I want to be an advocate to the widows. That's what God is in his holy habitation. The psalmist also says later on in chapter 146, the Lord relieveth or protects the fatherless and the widow. In Jeremiah chapter 22, he says, do no violence to the fatherless nor the widow. Violence meaning take action against them, abuse them, take advantage of them. In Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah in chapter seven says, oppress not the widow nor the fatherless. And then in Matthew 23, that famous woe unto you chapter where he's chiding and, and, and attacking and blistering the Pharisees for their inappropriate behavior. One of many woe unto yous in 23 and 14, he says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. They were taking advantage of them. They were leaders, they were people that these widows counted on for their help and their sustenance. See, that was what was supposed to be happening according to the old law. And even in Jesus' time, corrupt leaders, they were not Christian, they were not godly men, you understand? They were corrupt leaders, they were corrupt people that were supposed to be caring for these widows and their children. And they were stealing from them. How many in here have had to deal with the spirit of this world attempting to steal from you and hurt you and take from you when you need their help, when you look to their guidance. God knows.
Widows had no husband. There was no father for the children. There was no provision. There was no love. They were impoverished. They barely held it together. The family was vulnerable. The children didn't have a guide. They didn't have an example. They were being raised as best they could. And I know that the single family environment exists in our world continuously. As a matter of fact, there's, there's leaders among certain cultural groups that have identified that the, the biggest problem that they've existed, the reason there's so much crime and so much terribleness and drug addiction and all of these horrible behaviors is because somewhere leadership in our, in our civilization has stepped in and created a fracture in that environment, has created an environment that has allowed these fatherless children to grow, a wonderful mother doing her very best to survive, very best to hold on to what she has, relying on the leaders above her, relying on the people around her to help in that process and they've let them down and they allowed those families to be fractured and these young kids, these little ones, these precious little ones are being raised in homes that are broken and tragic with no example and the leadership amongst these particular groups have identified it and you know what's happening to them? They're being scourged and attacked and maligned because they're pointing out the truth. That in this world, there's too many orphans. There's too many fatherless And it's led to terrible, terrible acts, terrible things in our society. I want to direct you to Luke chapter 21. Jesus' parables were so powerful, gave so much insight to his heart and to his direction and what it means to be a Christian, to follow him. Luke 21, starting right at verse one, he says, and he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. I know you know this story. It's been calculated that two mites are probably the equivalent of what we would call one penny, one cent. So Jesus apparently is standing near, near to the treasury, and he's watching rich men come up and throw in their bits, throw in their whatever. But he watches this poor widow woman casting in thither two mites, and he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have their abundance cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. God embraces this woman He understands that she didn't just give, but she sacrificed. She sacrificed for the right reason. Her giving was sacrificial. There was, uh, it was no errors about her. There wasn't anything about her. She just gave everything she could. The rich ones threw in whatever. Now they were both received. You understand that those offerings were both received and both honored. They did what they were required to do. They gave, probably according to the law. Perhaps they were giving their 10% or their 10% plus their alms plus a little sacrificial giving. She gave everything. Oh, so what, Brother Cordell? Some give a little bit, some give a little bit more. But she caught the eye in the love of Jesus Christ. You know the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah the prophet was directed by God to go to this woman. 
There had been a fat famine in Judea. People were starving. She had very little. She was a widow. She was in that destitute state. And as we find out in that scripture, I won't read it into you. I've got more to share. But she was gathering together a few sticks. She was going to make a simple meal. She had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. It was all she had. But Elijah shows up on the scene and engages this woman in conversation and sees that she's there. And to test her faith, God had directed him to ask her to make a meal for him. Can you imagine? This woman's got nothing. Probably wearing rags. A child at home. One son at home. No father. No money. No income. Wearing probably rags. Filthy. Scratching together a few sticks to make her last meal. See, she said she was going to gather that together, mix a little bit of that flour and that little bit of that oil and make a cake or two. That's what they called them, little loaves of bread. And die. She figured this is it. This is all I've got. It's all run out. And here this man of God shows up. The man of God shows up. The man of God shows up and says, woman, take that meal and take that oil and gather a few sticks and make me something to eat. Wow, that seems abusive. That seems terrible. But he gives her the word from the Lord and says, and if you do that, it'll never run out. She acts in faith. Something about these widows. Something about these people that have lost their husband. They've lost that connection to society. They've become unidentified. They've detached from society, not by their choice, but by their circumstances. There's something about those widows. There's just something in them that says, I, I got to give all. I just got to do this. It's always all. It's given everything. It was everything that she had. She built that fire. She mixed that last bit of flour and oil and made that cake for Elijah. But she noticed something. Something's happening here. There's still flour in the pot. There's still oil in the, in the cistern. Something going on and she made that cake for Elijah and it just continued to flow and the Bible says that it never ran out come on God honored his word how many know that the flour makes the bread of life how many know that the oil is the spirit of God that's never going to run out for us it was flowing in this place this morning amen but she gave it all you see she gave all of the oil come on now she gave all of her oil she consumed up all of that flour, all of that word. She just took it all and said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll just go ahead and die. I was going to die anyway. Why not with the man of God? And then she took the last bit of that oil and gave it all. You understand when you stand in a room like this and the spirit of God is moving through and you decide, you know what? I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to let my pride hold back. And you start to pour that oil out. I heard it. I heard it in my ears. I heard the talking. I heard the tongue start to flow. I heard the spirit moving through the house this morning like it was an upper room. And when you start to let that oil flow, you say, okay, God, you're going to get everything out of me that I can give. He's promised in you right now that it's never going to stop. Woo! Hallelujah! You understand when the man of God is saying, come on, bake me some cakes. Come on, folks, bake those cakes. It's not for my benefit. I don't get any special points. I don't have a, a, a scorecard up in heaven that says, yep, all 150 of them prayed today. It doesn't work like that. 
What I'm saying to you is if you give it like everybody else in here that just said, okay, I'm giving it to you, God. You get all my flour today. You get all my oil. I'll just go ahead and die if that's what your will is. But you start to pour it out and let loose of that pride. And you start to pour it out and give it to him. All of a sudden, there's more oil in the cistern. There's more oil in the lamp. It just is never going to run out. Do you understand? That's why, that's why we ask you to praise. That's why we tell you to unshackle. Take those things off your feet and your hands. Throw them up in the air and worship God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Because God loves a widow that's willing to give everything. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke 18, Luke chapter 18, it's one we're not so familiar with. I don't hear it preached all that often, but Jesus teaches the parable. It's often referred to as the parable of the resurrection of the boy, the parable of the, uh, of the unjust, excuse me, I'm sorry, I pass that over. It's the parable of the unjust judge. We don't talk about it all that much, but it's an interesting parable. There's purpose and meaning to it. But look how God says it in 18 and 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you mean by faint, pastor? I mean, as best as you possibly can when you come into the house of God, pray, pray, put your worship out there. You're probably not gonna do it tomorrow morning at your job. You're probably not gonna do it at the dinner table tomorrow night. You're probably not gonna be all that fired up about it. You pray, you've got your time with God that you talk, but it's here in the camp where the oil begins to flow. This is where the merchant is that'll refill your lamp for you. This is the place and that you ought pray always and not faint. In other words, don't give up, don't stop saying there was a city in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him. Why? Why was it a widow that had to come? There's a point in it that there was a widow that came, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. You know why? Because she didn't have a husband to go and fight the battle for. How many of you husbands know that it's your job when things get ugly out there, and you got to fight the insurance company, or fight the mortgage company, or take care of the problem with the neighbor? Husband, it's your job to do that. It's the man of God that steps out and protects his wife and his children from those ugly battles. This woman didn't have an advocate or an adversary. She goes to the judge. He's not a godly man. He doesn't honor God. And she says, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God, he declares it. Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, How many know that persistence can avail results? You betrouble me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? He asks. You know the story of Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. Naomi was a Judean woman. This is where I goofed my notes up, Skip, here a second ago. Judea was in a famine also at that time, and they fled 
And they were in the land of the Moabites. Moabites were dirty, nasty people. They fought with the Judeans. They weren't good. But they had to get away from this, this uh, terrible drought and this terrible famine that was happening. And, and, and Naomi and her husband, uh, their, their sons married. And they married two Moabite ladies, Ruth and Orpah. By the way, do you know that Oprah Winfrey was named after that person, but they switched the number, the name? That's where that came from. She was supposed to be Orpah Winfrey. That's a true story. You can Google it. But through the course of time, all three of them became widows. Naomi lost her father, and the two young ladies not only lost their father-in-law, but lost their husbands as well. Naomi was a godly woman, but these two gals, were, they were Moabites, but they were worshiping with her. They were respecting her God. But when this whole thing happened, look at Ruth chapter 1, starting at 14. It says, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. They were talking to Orpah, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. What had happened is Naomi recognized that they were in big trouble. They were, they were destitute. They were widows. They had nothing. And so what Naomi said, in order to save your life, just go back to your home. Go back to your Moabite family. And, and just, that's the only thing we know how to do. And go back and worship your gods and go back to your old life. Come on, preach with me. This morning, she didn't know what else to do. And Orpah said, as much as she wept, as much as it, it grieved her to do it, she didn't see. She didn't see any way out. And so she left and she went back. The word says that she went back to her home and went back to her, her gods and her way. She gave up. But there was something powerful in Ruth. There was something there that said, no, Naomi, I love you. You're my mother-in-law. Listen to what she says. But Ruth clave unto her, verse 15, and he said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Now listen to what she says. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She stood with what she knew to do right. She was a widow that was willing to endure and continue and do what? Give all. You know the story that later Ruth is blessed, marries a man by the name of Boaz. And that's a whole nother sermon. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter two of a, of a widow named Anna. Maybe you don't recognize Anna as a widow per se, but it does say in the word here in Luke two and 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score in four years, which is about 84 years. Now, if you take 84 plus the seven that she lived with her husband, she's better than 91 years old. Much better than 91, assuming she was married in her late teens, which was very, very common at that time. She was of great age. She'd been with her husband for seven years when he died, and she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers by night. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
She was there when Jesus, remember Jesus at 12 years old, splits off from his parents, sneaks away. Where do they find him later? They find him in the temple. This poor woman who, for the grand majority of her entire life, spent it alone as a widow. But what was she doing? Giving everything to God. She literally lived in the temple, 90-some years old, worshiping and praying in the temple. And you know what happened to her? When When the Holy One showed up, when the Messiah that she'd been praying for decided to pay a visit, guess who? was standing there. It was that wonderful, beautiful woman, Anna. She got to meet the Savior. How many want to meet the Savior someday? (laughs) Praise God. The widow of Nain, or the resurrected son, that's where I made my goof a moment ago. Again, one that we don't talk about very often, but a wonderful parable of a widow in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain, this is Jesus, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. This poor woman had not only lost her husband and has now lost her son. And much people of the cities was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the buyer. That's another word for coffin. And they, they that bear him stood still and said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us. And that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Wow. You know, Jesus never did get to a successful funeral. Everyone he attended, he raised the dead person up. I kind of like him to show up at mine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The widow, he had compassion on her. She'd lost her husband and now lost her only son. If they could survive, if they could make it, if they could hang in long enough, these children would grow up And they'd find work and they would farm and they would till and they would do things. And it was their responsibility, the firstborn's responsibility, his right was to take care of mom if she was widowed. So guess what he did? He provided her with a provider. Amen? I'm starting to wrap up, so hang in there. You understand, I think it's, I think I've made... The connection. I don't think I missed anybody on this. We're the widows. We're the orphans. When God began to call you, and if you're here in this room today, you're here because God drew you. God called you. Understand that, right? Regardless of whether you think that you just decided to make an intellectual decision one day and say, well, I decide I'm going to go be a Christian today. Regardless of whatever your intellect tells you, God called you. And when he did that, effectively, you became a widow. Your husband, the world, has been detached from you. It's dead. You became an orphan because you were the child of this current life. But when you stepped away, when you said, yes, God, yes, I'm going to answer that call. When you came down to this altar and you repented of your sins and you cast off those things from the old marriage to the world, the old life, 
under that old husbandry. You became the widow. You understand, this is the message that God gave me. He loves you so much. You're so precious to him that he sees you as the widow and the orphan. He understands that until he comes back, we're kind of fatherless. We're without our husband. But he's got a special place for you. He's got a special reason. He's there. He's watching over. He is providing. The world is no longer our husband. We don't get our happiness from the world. We don't get our provision, our love, our devotion, our purpose is no longer defined by the relationship of the old life. If you're like the widows and you've given all if you've poured out all your oil to God, if you've poured out and given him all your flour, if you've given him all your prayer, and if you've given him all of yourself, then you're like that widow in his eyes. He understands. But he's not gonna leave you destitute. He's not gonna leave you without provision. Everything that we claim, we claim it for Jesus. Why? Because he's the provider. He's the one that lets it happen. If we give our money over like crazy, you know what? He gives it back in someplace else. If you're not giving all, folks, I'm not telling you to go home and empty your bank account and throw it at the church. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what it is to give sacrificially like that woman at the treasury. You understand? Because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive all of your money because he just turns around and he provides it in some other way. When you come in and you praise and you worship, sometimes I feel like if I don't walk out of here full of sweat and tears and snot and rags, Kleenexes jammed in my pockets, I didn't give it all. I didn't pour out all my oil. But I try, I really do. You're the widows. You can be. As the church is destined to be the bride of Christ when he returns, we are simply widows in this world, but we hold that special place. Where our identity, our married name came from our old lives, we take on the name of Jesus when we go down in baptism. You know that. The Bible says that we put on Christ. We put him on. We take off the old name. We're widowed to this world. Where our sustenance and our welfare were derived from our own efforts and self-achievement in the world, we now rely on him and he provides for us in every way. You have to understand that. Everything I have, everything that I have is because Jesus Christ provided it for me. Well, no, you got up and went to work all those days. I got that job because of Jesus Christ. Well, you could have gotten another. You could have got that job. I got the ability to do that job from Jesus Christ. Well, you could have had some help from somebody else. No, that somebody else that gave me that lead was sent by Jesus. And that boss that received me into that job and gave me that job is because Jesus moved on him. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care what the world says. You know what? That husband's going to be jealous. That old husband's going to say, oh, no, no, no. This is all just fiction. You're just making all that up. You're giving too much credit to God. That's not possible in my life. God did everything for me because I'm one of his widows. I'm closing and you can stand with me this morning. I have one last scripture. In James chapter one and seven, I want you to understand these words. It's so powerful. I love the book of James. You know, James was the half-brother of Jesus, grew up in his household, grew up. He was there. Do you know that Mary was a widow when Jesus hung on the cross? 
Do you think maybe it's possible that his tenderness, his extra special entreatment of widows is maybe because he saw his own widowed mother standing there by as he suffered on that cross for her? James says in chapter 1 and 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the word. That's kind of got a final tone to it, doesn't it? It's got kind of a, a strong punctuation. This is pure religion. You know that word religion in there is talking about your relationship with God. It's talking about your walk in pure religion and undefiled is to visit the fatherless. What does it mean to visit and treat them, care for them, watch out for them in their affliction, in their challenges, the things that they deal with in life and to keep himself unspotted from the word, unspotted. And finally, here's how the widows are a model for us. The widow who gave two mites, God expects us to give all, but in return, he sees our sacrifices and honors for it. Give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, is what the word of God says. Pastor, are you beating me up over money? No, uh-uh. I'm giving you an awesome opportunity to be like the widow with two mites. I'll preach on giving again here coming up. There's some awesome blessing. There's been some amazing stories and testimonies amongst you who gave sacrificially in a year of a pandemic and we gave at a record number to Sheaves for Christ, a record number to SOC, a record number to Global Missions. There are words that are being spread in the gospel because of your efforts and your sacrifice and I know God is blessing you as a widow today. The widow of Zarephath gives us the, the example from God that he'll provide for us in our word. The flour and the oil, I already explained to you. Uh, many will not uh, live, it says, excuse me, many will not take hold of that. They won't understand that that word and that oil together are so critically important. The Bible says that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. In the last days, saith the Lord, in the book of Joel, and again in Acts, I will pour out my spirit, my oil, it will be poured out on all men. In the widow and the unjust judge, God wants us to persevere in our faith no matter what we're up against. You're gonna run into some unjust people. You're gonna run into some situations that aren't fair. Pastor, that's not fair. I don't like it that way. I don't like how this person treats me. You're gonna run into a lot of judges that are real awful, but if you persevere, if you stand for what you believe, he's gonna honor it. Don't buckle in your doctrine. Don't buckle in what you believe and what you know. Don't give in because it's a popular thing. Don't give in because you're coming up against resistance. Keep persevering and God will honor you as he did with that judge because God moved on the judge because of her persistence. Naomi and Ruth encourage us, us to embrace the family, the family of God, loyalty and devotion to our brothers and sisters as Ruth was to Naomi. How many know that it's so critical and important that you and I love one another? We overlook our faults and our challenges, but the more unified together we are, the more God can move this thing forward and do mighty acts in this place. There was a spirit of unity in the house like there is today last week. Two people, first time in the house of God, filled with his spirit. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. Anna's life is a model for us. 
She'd been married only seven years. Come on, you were only in that old world for a certain period of time. How many of you, how many of you have been in the church longer than you were in the world? And you've heard the story over and over again. God's coming, God's coming, God's coming, God's coming, God's coming. Boy, that gets old after a while. I've been in this a long time. I don't see anything changing. Folks, you gotta be like Anna. You gotta persevere. Into her 90s, she was serving God, waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And who come walking in the door one day? Well, someday he's gonna reappear and he's gonna be looking for the Annas in our group. I wanna be one of them. Finally, the widow of Nain, God's promise of resurrection. Jesus' compassion for us widows is strongly expressed here. For the third time, he raised from the dead the child of a grieving parent. Someday when that trumpet sounds, all that flour and oil and love and giving and church and Bible and faith and perseverance is going to culminate in our resurrection, our transfiguration. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and they that are alive and remain and full of oil and flour and have a record as a widow before God are going to be swept out of this place to meet him in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. I'm waiting for that day, church, because that's the day where widows no more. Widows no more because we're going to be with the bridegroom. This altar is open today. Come down and give him grace. Give him thanks. Praise him for that provision. Praise him for how much he loves you. Because we're not widows anymore. We're not orphans anymore. Because the Spirit of God resides in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.